eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, back at it. One more segment to go here. Again, I'm Jeff Nowak. This is a special sports talk field edition, but I did want to get you some senior bowl content since I spent the whole week out there, and that's why we're off schedule in the first place. So in this final segment, we're going to dive into some of the prospects at the senior bowl that I was particularly impressed by. We're going to hear from Joe DeLeon, who is an NFL and college football analyst for the Believe Podcast Network. A lot of really intriguing names. I would be stunned if we don't hear at least one of these names we're talking about get drafted by the Saints in a couple months. So let's dive in on that. Who dat? Let's do it. Stay tuned. Get into our Senior Bowl talk. Happy to welcome in Joe DeLeon, college football and NFL draft analyst at the Believe Podcast Network. How you been, Joe? Uh, good, good. It's uh, always an exciting time of year when the Senior Bowl uh, wraps up. It's the it's the key indicator that it's draft season. So <laughs> always excited to see how things turn out. And it was a pretty fun uh, fun week of practices that happened in Mobile. I was wondering, did you end up with sunburn on one half of your head? Because <laughs> my partner over here, Jeff Nowak, he ended up with uh, his left side got toasted a little bit more than the right. Yeah, the uh, the sun was a lot lot stronger than it typically. Uh, <laughs> Than it typically is there in Mobile this time of year, which is which is surprising. <laughs> I just thought it was funny because you could tell who was the media by the sunburn on the left side of their face, and you, you know the guys on the other side of the stadium had it on the right side of their face. They're more important than we are, but <laughs> let's uh, let's get into it. You know, uh, one thing about this draft that I think this draft class that I think became really clear this week, if it wasn't already, there's a lot of really intriguing offensive line prospects, and a lot of them were in Mobile. Right, Taliese Fuanga, Tyler Guyton, Jordan Morgan, and, and and even then, there's just a lot of names after. I'm just curious if there were any offensive line prospects that you went in there and were surprised by that maybe you didn't expect to look as good as they did. Because I just thought that's the group that you know, if you're a team looking for offensive line help, this is the year. 
Yeah, I think that the the one guy in particular that you just mentioned was Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma. He was a guy who I had graded as my seventh rated offensive tackle because I knew coming into the week that this is a, a very long and athletic former tight end uh, that was playing tackle who this was really his first full season as a starter at Oklahoma uh, after he ends up taking the job from Anton Harrison, who was uh, a first-rounder last year. And I wanted to see coming into the week, how was he going to show up? How physical could he look? Because there were some, not concerns, but expectations that his upper body strength isn't to where it needs to be. But one thing I saw is while that work and that refinement is going to come with time, he's got tools that you can't coach. Tremendous mobility. Uh, his base was, was fantastic. And then being six foot seven with the arm length that he brings to the position, I think maybe in a year or so, if you give him some time to develop, he could be a really good starting tackle in the NFL. But fan bases need to be patient with him. This is, is not going to be a guy who steps in right away and plays at a very high level because he does need to work on his technique and he does need to add some more power to his profile. You know, uh, and you know, kind of just shifting across from that to a guy that I saw beat Tyler Guyton pretty clean and is really intriguing to me is a guy that I thought really helped his draft stock this week was Darius Robinson. You know, 6'5", 284. He just, I think he just, you know, you, you look at some of the reviews on what he was able to do. and Can line up anywhere. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that guy's going to end up being a top 15 pick when it's all said and done. What do you think? Yeah, I had a feeling that was who you were going to say as soon as you started leading that in. Darius <laughs> Robinson is a, is a guy who, like, started the week not slow but quietly. There were, we were talking about a lot of other players, and then as the week progressed, he just started to build more and more momentum. This edge class, it's not tremendously talented. This isn't like the past couple of years. There's a bit of a, you know, who's who of who ends up being that, that top edge rusher. So he could end up going a lot earlier than I think a lot of people – uh, might have as expected, but you guys talked about he can play a number of different positions. In Missouri, they had him move around in a bunch of different shades, and then finally this year he was playing mostly on the outside and was much more productive. And then we saw at the Senior Bowl this week that they were having him rush uh, you know, from a three technique and then moving him and having him rush uh, as a defensive end. And the ways that he was able to display the the power that he has, he's got very – underrated bend for the position which is important for edge rushers but I love the 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 technique and the hand fighting ability that he brings to the position I think outside of Lietu Latu who is in a completely different stratosphere of technician I I think that Darius Robinson was uh, that second best guy in terms of just being the most technically sound well-coached edge rusher that was in Mobile. You mentioned Latu, and I well, I got a chance to talk to him at the at, not on the field, but at the kind of breakfast at three thirty p.m., which is what they still called it, which I thought was funny. Uh, and his frame really was interesting to me because I expected him to be a much bigger guy. He's very long, and I'm just curious. Yeah, what what do you see from him? Because uh, watching the Saints, you see a lot of the frame of a Darius Robinson. You don't see as many of those long edge rushers the way Latu is. What did you see from him specifically? Yeah, Latu's a really interesting player in this class because, and it kind of goes in, the, in line with this conversation of how the edge class is going to shape out because there's there's two guys in particular with a Dallas Turner from Alabama and yep. Jared Burst from Florida State who are just super twitched up, super just traitsy players that are, are kind of developing um, their technique. But then you go to Lietu Latu, who's maybe not as twitchy, and as you're talking about, he's not this hulking mass. He's not this massive player. But the way that he wins is through effort it's through his motor playing through the whistle. Uh, you see that all the time on film, and then you saw that come to reality in Mobile. 
the way that I know that a guy is just tremendously well coached and just really gifted with his reactiveness and his decision making as a pass rusher is watching how they counter when their initial move doesn't work. And it happened multiple times during the week that he was the couple times where you kind of were watching, you're thinking like, Oh, he's about to lose this rep. He had an amazing counter move that was unblockable for some of these, these tackles. And I think that has put him into a completely separate category. I feel like Latu has solidified being a late first round pick, but things that are going to complicate it are his, medical background and and having to uh, medically retire at one point is going to make things really tricky. We did see uh, with Phillips a few years ago, former Miami and UCLA edge rusher who had something similar and still went in the first round. I think Latu could maybe overcome that, but he is just a a phenomenal football player who was really fun to watch. Joe, looking at some uh, two local guys from Tulane, curious what you thought uh, from this week's uh, practices of Michael Pratt and also Jaquan Jackson. Yeah, Jackson was a very underrated player for the receivers, and there's just so much receiver talent, so it's easy to get lost in the shuffle uh, with all of those guys that were performing at the receiver position, but just a very quick, shifty, explosive guy that could be some great day three value for a team that's looking for maybe that fourth or fifth receiver on their roster. But Michael Pratt, I was really impressed. I think that if you look at the rest of this quarterback group, for the most part, it was it was unimpressive and inconsistent at times. Bo Nix, you know, started the week a little slow and then finished strong. And Michael Penix flashed his arm strength. But at the same time, uh, those inconsistencies that showed up thrown to the middle of the field appeared on the, in the practices during the week. But with Michael Pratt, I knew coming into this week that he was the most steady guy. I knew that he was always going to, you know, make the right decision. He was always going to deliver the ball with, with great accuracy where it needs to be. Um, he's not the most athletically gifted quarterback of the group by any means, but because he's so steady and consistent, I think that's going to help carve out a role for him in the NFL for a very long time. It is hard to find a good backup quarterback that a team can draft and rely on when a starter goes down. And I think that Michael Pratt is eventually uh, going to be that type of a player in the league. And I kind of compare him to maybe being like Kirk Cousins, who – Cousins was drafted just to be a backup, and now we see that he has become an important part of the success for the Minnesota Vikings. Pratt has that capability. He might not step onto the field and play at an MVP type of a level, but he is good enough to win football games, I think, maybe a few years later on into his career. Yeah, one of the one of the things I appreciate about the Senior Bowl is you get a chance to see some of these lower level prospects that you know a lot of it's like I think this guy's good but you don't see him against the top end competition so it's tough to it's tough to tell and guys like show up and you're like who is that and you go look them up and you start looking at their background and one of the guys for me that I thought had a really good week and is is intriguing you know maybe a UDFA latch onto a roster is uh, Dylan Laub the running back out of New Hampshire and he was just making plays right and I talked to him and uh, I asked him who his game is kind of reminiscent of, and he said he said Christian McCaffrey. But I also I asked him if he had run that by Luke McCaffrey, who was also there, and he said no. So I start to wonder if maybe he doesn't want to get told that it's not him. But the guy I would comp him to, and I think is a lot more reasonable, is Danny Woodhead, another guy who yeah. came from a lower level, and they do a lot of the same things. And what he said to me was like, yeah, if Danny was playing in the league today, he would be crushing it because the way the NFL game is played now, it just you you want that guy. You want that that fire hydrant who can catch the ball and just does everything, all the little things. And I thought Dylan was that guy. My prediction is that he ends up having the, you know, leading in total yards because this just seems like an event that's built for him. I'm curious if you had any thoughts on Dylan 
and in general, was there anyone that kind of came out of the woodwork uh, that you that you think really showed themselves well this week? Yeah, Lauv actually, I think, really definitely fits that, that category you're saying here of a guy who popped up through the woodwork. And he was somebody who I'd been tracking uh, this whole season. I, I played football in the CAA, which was the conference that, that he played in. And I played plenty of UNH teams that gave a, gave my roadie Rams a pretty tough battle. And it, it's, it's not surprising that they've got a really well-coached running back like Laub who played the way that he did this week. And I really like that, that comp to Danny Woodhead. The other one that my co-host Brian Roberts had given on the show was that uh, kind of gives the, the James White type of a feel. And if Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels were still running the Patriots, he probably would end up beating <laughs> the Patriots if we're, you know, we'd probably put some money down on that and it would probably end up hitting. But um, you hit the nail on the head there where he's not going to be the type of running back that I'm going to rely on uh, between the tackles and on every single down. He's just not really built for that. He's not really strong in those short areas. He's not going to, you know, pound for extra yards. But for the modern NFL where – You've got these guys that can be motioned into the slot on third down. You can have them uh, run screens. You can have them run flare routes and wheel routes and get open and kill you in space. He's exactly the type of guy that you want to need uh, for that type of a role. And, and we, the thing that excited me the most that we got to see is that he was uh, playing in the one-on-one reps against the DBs, right. and he was creating really easy separation against those guys. So, yeah, so what you brought up, Laub was one of the guys that I really enjoyed watching this week, and I think he could be a little bit of a surprise player that goes somewhere on day three and ends up being a, a nice piece for a team that's in the playoffs next year. I agree completely. Uh, you know, my, my last question, and this is kind of open-ended, you know, it's not a banner tight end class at all, but it, this is the type of year where there's going to be one or two guys that you're not talking about but show up and you're like, who is that guy? And like, well, you should have been paying attention. And I'm just curious, who would be your top tight end? Who are you most impressed with at the tight end position out of this year's Senior Bowl class? Yeah, I think it, without a doubt it was Theo Johnson from Penn State. He is going to go to the Combine and to exactly what you're saying there. He's going to be the guy that everyone during the week at the Combine is going to be like, who, who is this? This guy ran a, a high 4-4. He ran a 4-5, and he's 260 pounds. And he's going to test so well in all of the, the testing drills. He might even have, outside of Brock Bowers, which I don't know if, if Bowers will even end up testing, uh, that remains to be seen. He doesn't really need to. Uh, but Johnson could end up having the best testing numbers out of any of the tight ends if that does end up happening. I kind of compared to, and I said on my show this week, that it, I felt like he could maybe be this year's uh, Sam Laporta that into next season, uh, in the first seven weeks of the year, he's on a team that loves to utilize their tight ends and get them involved into the passing game, and he just ends up being that go-to dump-off threat uh, when things break down like Sam Laporta was for Jared Goff. And we'll be saying in week 10, like, how the heck did this guy end up falling through the cracks? And why is he doing so well? Uh, I definitely think that that, that descriptor is, is perfect for, uh, for Theo Johnson from Penn State. Always great, Jeff. Great stuff from you, Joe. Appreciate the time. And Noah will be talking to you more with the draft, obviously, around the corner. Of course. Thanks for having me, guys. That's Thanks, college guys. football and NFL draft analyst Joe DeLeon. You can find his work at the Believe Podcast Network. St. Sideline reporter Jeff Nowak, who is here co-hosting today, was out there at the Senior Bowl practices taking it all in. Got a chance to talk with two-lane wide receiver Jaquan Jackson, and here's how things went. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. 
it probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Jeff Nowak here with former Tulane standout Jaquan Jackson. And Jaquan, you know, I've I've had a few people tell me that you're this year's Tank Dell. And when you hear people say that, what is your reaction? Um, no, it's a blessing to be like that, you know. Tank did at Houston when we played him last year, and for all the years that he did, you know, like the journey that he, journey that he had, it was amazing, you know, just watching him uh, each and every year dominate, dominate, dominate. Now he got the chance to play on a uh, professional level and still do the same thing, what he do like he was a little kid, just making plays with C.J. Stroud back there, throwing it to him, and just got the connection, you know, that me and Pratt had at Tulane. So it was just amazing. It's crazy that we signed with the same agency, so, um, you know, we got a little bond connected just talking to each other every now and then. I try not to bother him too much, but it's just, it just amazing to see how his process went and how he's doing, you know. Gotcha. How, how has this process gone for you so far? Have you identified some things that, you know, have, have any teams kind of given you things that if you need to look at, that you need to work on, or what, what are you focused on this week? Well, I'm really focused on um, my goal was just to come down here and just do what I do best, you know. Um, I'm not going to change it because it's a big stage, you know, and a lot of scouts out there, I'm going to just act like they're not there and just make the plays, you know. Um, but the biggest thing, I want to give a shout-out to the senior bowl and Jim Nagy and his staff for doing this for us, you know. It's amazing and giving us an opportunity to perform in front of all 32 teams and just, you know, show what we can do, you know. Not too many people get this opportunity, but the people that's here, I would say don't take it for granted, you know. But um, just going one day at a time, you know, I tell Michael Pratt each and every morning we wake up, I'm like, man, this, this works in the fall camp, but it's a grind, though, you know. It's like, this is what football is, it's a business. Can you really sustain the whole practice and meetings and all that and can your body hold up you know if you can't you know you're gonna get cut but at the end of the day but you know how they go how how helpful is it to have mike here and to be able to kind of bounce things off each other and even in those one-on-ones i know he talked about it yesterday when you when you guys paired up you were two for two right that's got to help in terms of you know how he likes to deliver the ball he like he knows how you like to run routes how helpful is that? Um, well, it's real helpful. You know, I, we, we um, staying together in the hotel, like with my roommate. So we go over to plays at night. And, you know, sometimes we don't add, like, we don't line up as we're on the field at the same time. You know, I'm with the other quarterbacks. The other quarterbacks great, too. You know, they're all great to hear. It wouldn't be here if they wasn't great, you know. But, you know, he always in my ear. I'm always in his ear asking questions and making sure that we're on the same page and, like, knowing what we're doing and just making sure, you know. We had, like, two days to learn and install. You know, that's quick. You know, in college, you probably get it a week before and then the next week you start doing it and slow into it but you're hitting the ground running that's the difference between college and professional gotcha and this is really not senior bowl related but the what you and mike and the rest of your team were able to accomplish the last two years has been incredible really and you know obviously willie's out and out going to houston now but do you feel like what y'all have been able to build kind of the culture of winning which is a lot more important than i think a lot more difficult to build than i think a lot of people would think it is from the outside right like how, do you feel like that culture at Tulane that y'all have been able to build is something that'll last well beyond y'all being there yes sir um just going back to coach Frisk coach Frisk came out to watch us today you know um he uh got the job at Houston and um took some of the coaches you know um by the end of the day man a lot of people don't know about coach Frisk he, he won at every level that he been on you know it probably took him some time but at the end of the day he rather waited out and just 
like develop players to so they could be four stars and five stars at the end of the day. But you know, he gave me an opportunity to play at Tulane for five years, and um, I thank him each and every day that uh, uh, giving me the opportunity to play. You know, but what he did at Tulane was crazy. He got that 2014 from Georgia Southern, and just from that year on, it started like progress, progress. First bowl game in a while, then the next bowl game, then the next bowl game. Then we went back down to two and ten. But then when we got Kurt Hester, the strength coach, who's a really good strength coach and have a really great strength staff, we built that brotherhood that we didn't have to come together. So we, he was like the glue to put us together. And once we got that, that's why we went twelve and two and eleven and two. You know, and what as two days ago, um, John Summerall, the new head coach, came through, um, watched us practice and talked to us. You know, he's a great coach, as you can see. He he very energetic and he all about business and he got his staff over there. But I know them guys gonna do what they do. We, we set the culture and the standard there. Now they just gotta go out there and finish. The coach is gonna give them the blueprint. They just got to go execute it. Gotcha. And his last question, you know, Tajay was a guy who came here last year and really elevated his his brand in terms of people really came out of this week knowing who he was and what he was all about. What were your thoughts on his rookie season this year? And what are you, what do you think he's destined for in the NFL? Oh, he had a great season, you know. Um, that's my, my right-hand man since I got in college. You know, he came yesterday just to see me and Michael, you know, um, Soon we're gonna be getting training off season, you know. Um, he, you know, he just got finished with the uh, NFL, but his first season was great, you know. Um, he probably wish he could had had done better from the plays that he had. But at the end of the day, it's football. You always they're not gonna pop, you know. I tell him, and we both criti- criticize both each other just to make sure that we make sure we go even harder. But at the end of the day, you know, he's a hardworking person, he's a leader, and he's always confident. He he, anybody that meet him, you know, he's gonna impact on somebody's life, no matter what he do on the field. Or off the field so he's a special kid and um i can't wait to see what he do this year that was Tulane wide receiver jaquan jackson and overall what did you think of his week at practices jeff i think jaquan is just a, a great dude i mean you know he's really an exciting player to watch i i don't know if you know i like there's the comp to tank dell and i think it's fair they you know both aac guys right both guys who probably needed to come to this to go to the senior bowl and really prove to people that they could hold up against yeah. some of these top end prospects and he, he does they do a lot of the same things i think tank was a little bit more of a refined route runner jaquan i think has a lot of these moves but he doesn't necessarily use them to set people up the way he probably could right there were times that he would beat someone clean and then run right back to him because he didn't expect to beat him or like it you know i think there's something that he can learn in terms of leveraging yourself and your move against the opponent and how they're playing and it just seemed like he was kind of running routes on air but there was a defender there <laughs> uh, but no he's a he's a good player and i think he's going to have a really really good opportunity to latch on at the nfl level and you, you heard it in that interview you know he's it's a great talker the funny thing is i was looking for him in the in the room to interview him and i couldn't find him and i was wandering around and i i go outside and i'm like okay i gotta get back i gotta send an audio i gotta get ready to do a hit <laughs> on on wwl and i walk out and there's this guy kind of peering in the room and i walk by him and i do a double take i'm like jaquan what are you doing and he, he just clearly did not want to go in there. You know, I don't think he really wanted to be part of the, you know, it's just so much. There's a lot of people. And he was just like, do I have to? Uh, but like you heard him, like he has no problem talking. And he's, you know, I just think he has a really in, in, intriguing personality. And I and that's a lot of what, you know, more so than the game. You know, people say, oh, why, why don't you stay for the game? Like I tell people, like the game is for the players. <laughs> the game, the scouting part of it is really throughout the week. And the part people don't see is the interviews. 
Right. Every player meets with every team. And you kind of get, you know, speed dating, like you get this idea of who each player is. And that's important. I don't know if a lot of people recognize how much value teams put on personality and and how much you enjoy the game. Do you love the game of football or do you just play it? Right? And some people do, some people don't, you know, and, and that makes a difference. Like people it's easy to say like these guys are on autopilot, the talent takes over, but at a certain point you gotta do the work and you gotta work harder than everybody else. Everyone at the NFL level is great. They wouldn't have made it if they weren't great. But are you going to do the work once you get to that level to make yourself elite? And, you know, I think Jaquan is one of those players who's going to work, who's going to do that work. Uh, one thing I'll mention before we before we go to break is uh, before, two, before Willie Fritz departed for Houston, uh, he sat down with Jeff Ireland in the scouting department and gave him the lowdown on all the Tulane players who uh, are coming out. So... If the Saints are looking to draft a two-lane kid, they have a lot of that information straight from the, the head coach. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they take a look at Jaquan if he gets into the fifth or sixth round. It'd be interesting, too. I know Michael Pratt could be a possibility, but you already have a backup in Jake yeah, Hayner right now it, you're, yeah. that you're grooming behind I've Carr. i people mention that. I just think, yeah, I like Michael Pratt, but in terms of a developmental prospect, I don't like him more than Jake Hayner. So I feel like that's unlikely. But I do think that he's going to land somewhere and he's going to get a chance to compete. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us here on this episode of Inside Black and Gold. Again, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I apologize that this was kind of weird. We're going to get back to our normal publishing schedule next week, but I did want to get you some content, some feedback, some talk about Clint Kubiak, Senior Bowl prospects, all that stuff. I thought the concept from Deuce and Bobby was really good, so I did want to get that to you. But as always, thanks, everyone, for listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, Please do that wherever you get your podcast. If you haven't subscribed on YouTube at WWL Sports, go ahead and do that. We're just shy of 10,000 subscribers, so I'm hoping we can get there by the start of the draft. But, you know, this is all going to be ramping up. You know, this is the quiet season, but now I expect we're going to be seeing some running back hires, some wide receivers coach hires. I expect you're going to see a few more coaching moves um, as we go forward. You know, we we didn't really talk about this in the podcast, but we'll be getting into this more next week. You know, people over, were reacting to, why didn't they fire Doug Marone? Why didn't they do all of this? I think you were always going to kind of wait until you got the new offensive coordinator in-house because you why fire a guy if you end up finding out that, hey, this is a guy I wanted to work with anyway, right? So I think that did make sense to, to just keep things intact until you figured that out. But, you know, we're going to have to see the Super Bowl. And then I think it's the rubber is going to start to hit the road when you can finalize these hires. Hopefully nothing crazy happens uh, because there is some time. You know, things things can change. There can be cold feet, but it sure doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. And I'm happy about it. But either way, we'll have plenty of time to talk about this. Again, this is Inside Black and Gold. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Jeff Nowak. Thanks again to Steve Geller. We'll be hearing from him more next week. Who that? Go Saints. Let's do it.